Welcome to the Winning Edge podcast again with myself, John and Rick. Um, we're going to be doing the episodes because I've got no fucking idea. So first things first, boxing. What do you think of AJ at the weekend? Did you did you watch it? Yeah, watched it. Um, I, so many variables. And he won. He won by knockout and he won by a clean knockout. Was it an amazing performance? No. Um, but then a late opponent, a late change. Uh, an, ad- an adaptation of styles, a new trainer. It's loads to throw into that mm. that mix. Um, I, w- I personally, only personally, and who gives a shit about my opinion, right? But, you know, I would probably see if I could have at least one more fight before attempting to take on the, the big two, let's say, you know, um, Wilder Fury. Um, that, would, that would be my personal thing. But I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you know, for me, the the simplicity of it, yeah, change of opponent. But, you know, someone he should have probably been banging out a lot quicker. I think, you know, Wilder knocks him out in one and AJ took, what, seven, eight? And you kind of yeah. like, I, I, don't, I don't see, I don't see AJ doing very well against Wilder. I don't think mentally he's quite there. And I think yeah. it showed early in the fight a little bit. I wouldn't say a lack of confidence, but he was maybe in some ways a bit overconfident. Then it wasn't quite going as easily um, as he as he thought it was going to go. And I think the amount of overthinking he's going to do coming up against someone like Wilder, I just think he'll probably fucking freeze a bit. And Wilder mm. can hit. <laughs> There's one thing Wilder's yeah. going to do is catch him. Uh, Very hard, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's not like AJ's had to do an awful lot of getting in close to his opponents. Mm. And I, I don't see where he has that skill. He's usually the bigger guy, right? He's not going to be the bigger, yeah. longer guy against Wilder. So we'll no. see. That, you, I think, um, assuming it even happens. But yeah, of course. Did when you didn't you when you were in the same gym as Wilder recently? Yeah, yeah. He trains. He, he comes in a little bit boxer gym where I've been training in Miami. So yeah, not as not as big as you'd think. Tall, tall and long arms. Exactly. You're not, massive, though, John. Well, that's what I thought. I figured, like, you know, I had to get out of the ring to give him a little bit of space so he could, <laughs> so he could walk up. Um, yeah. But no, he's not as thick set as he kind of looks right. on, on TV. He's kind of he's long, uh, but v- very lean. Uh, you can see where, you know, seeing him up close, where the weight difference with him and Fury would have made quite a difference yeah. once, once Wilder couldn't kind of finish him. But, yeah, he's got that power. And I think, again, someone like AJ, who's also... Kind of known to be fairly athletic, but I just AJ just seems slow to me. I think Wilder's actually a bit quicker, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I just hope something yeah. fucking off because the heavyweight division could be interesting if they'd all fucking fight each other. Yeah, if they just get on with it, you know, and, and make loads of money, and whoever wins wins, and and you know maybe throw a rematch clause in or whatever. But do you think um, I think AJ's caught between styles at the minute? Bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, I mean he's had what's he on now? His third trainer in the last mm. three fights or so. And yeah. I don't think that ever bodes well because <clears throat> um, you're not getting any consistency, uh, which comes to your point. You're probably right. Like he should probably try and get another fight or two with maybe lesser known opponents just so that he can gel with his coach and, mm. you know, get whatever his style is um, down before he goes in against a Wilder uh, or a Fury or somebody. But I don't know whether they'll do that. I mean, 
money talks and at the end of the day AJ's been around a while he's not old but at the same time these fights need to happen pretty soon otherwise I don't think they're happening because yeah. I don't think Fury's going to hang around much longer he keeps fucking everybody around and he'll do this Angarnu fight for the money but you know even that is a distraction taking yeah. away from bigger fights in the in the division that could happen so We'll yeah, he's not he's not fought for eighteen months now, has he? You know, so that that's no, that, no. And I mean, I think look, Fury just, um, doesn't need to be active with his style, really. I don't think. I don't think that bothers Fury. I mean, look, he was out four years. I mean, he was younger, but then when he came back mm. and pretty much, you know, I, I thought he got the win on points against Wilder first time round, apart from mm. the, the knockdowns that I guess changed it. So, I think for him, out of all of them, is that he's one mentally who can take a bit of time out and be fine. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got Ngannou next, which, you know, another boxer at the end of the day. I don't, I don't see that going well for for Ngannou, other than a bit of awkwardness early on. And does Fury play the game a bit? Which I wouldn't against Ngannou if I was in. But you know, does he play the game a bit and try and carry it a few rounds for for the fans? Which you know, play with fire with someone who can hit that fucking hard. But <laughs> yeah, not like, yeah. not like McGregor and Mayweather. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. Risky business. But um, do we even dare? Touch on McGregor in the he's ring done. at the weekend. I think he's done. I, I don't. I. I mean, it's supposed to be pretty much signed against Chandler in December now. But you've only got to look at him. I mean, he's aged so much. Yeah. And look, fair play to him. He's been partying. He's you know, he's he's selling his his alcohol. He's you know doing everything he's doing. It's like look, he's made a ton of fucking money. But you know, even though Chandler might not be the best in the division is he's healthy he lives the life you know he's clean as fuck he's athletic he's not going to get tired and i think you know unless connor can catch him early which is now going to be the thing with mcgregor if he doesn't catch people early he's going to struggle as soon as he starts gassing which is going to be quicker and quicker now he's older and less trained you know you saw it you can see his face i think the thing with with mcgregor as good as he's been the last, even the last couple of times against Puya, you saw his face change. The minute he got hit, the minute he started to look tired, there was just a look on his face like, "Why am I here? I don't want to be here." Yeah, and he'll never admit it. Coaches will probably never admit it, but you can see it. Like you watch enough fights, you can see when someone's face goes, "I'm done. This is not yeah. going to go much further." And what's what's he been out now? Another couple of years with the broken leg and his lifestyle. I just, I don't think he'll win another fight. Hmm. Even if he that does was, fight, I don't think he's winning that, any. That was very eloquently put, all that, John. That was very politically correct <laughs> as well. You well, know, I get asked this one a lot about McGregor, so I just, you know, I don't like talking bad. We're um, obviously on record here, aren't we? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, view, all views are our own and all that kind of stuff. You know, what's that legal <laughs> What's that legal statement we've got to say? But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, very eloquently put. Our time catches up with us all, doesn't it? And like you say, lifestyle let's say that lifestyle so, yeah you, you put a picture of him now and three or four years ago to, side by side just facially you're like fuck me that guy's aged yeah and look like say with his lifestyle and money who can blame him i don't i don't you know it's not that it's just look no fighter gets away with with what he's been doing they just don't <laughs> you know the game moves on so fast fast you know these guys are young athletic hungry want it you know it's just it's what he was five years ago. Mm-hmm. He's walking into that, and he's gonna—he's just gonna get beat. So, mm-hmm. well, it'll be exciting, and everyone will tune in, and we'll all get excited, and we'll hope of course, we can turn the course. Back. Yeah, yeah. Seen it a million times, right? 
Yeah. I was watching a yeah. um, documentary on Tyson the other day, and I, again, every time I grew up with Tyson, right, forget how fucking good he was for those couple of years before everything started to snowball and go wrong. Like, they showed he had, like, I think he had, like, almost fighting once a month at one point, you know, before he won the title, like 12 fights yeah. in a year. Just yeah. fucking the speed and the ferocity and the fucking, like, that, that Tyson for a couple of years, like, crazy so we all and it kind of i think that kind of but that sort of lends us in what you've just said there it lends us in well to to what we're going to touch on today which is is his training and training philosophy in particular you know your training philosophies because you've mentioned their lifestyle and age and and um and people peaking and all that kind, kind of stuff and am i am i allowed to mention the the birthday am i allowed can we go yeah, there yeah, or, yeah. or not yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be talking about training, you know, as it pertains to when I was fucking 25 anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you're, you've just had your birthday recently. Yeah. And you've got a big birthday coming up next year. And we'll, we'll, we'll leave that there. But, yeah, yeah. you know, you still, um, I mean, we've known each other over 20 years now. And you were absolutely bang at it with the training from the day I met you. And, and you still absolutely, Bang at it right now. Anyone who follows you on mm. social media at John Bond Coaching, they'll see that you are literally, you know, training every single day. You know, putting videos up. You're in great shape. Um, I mean, when did you actually start training? And and tell us a bit about. We have touched on this a little bit in yeah, terms yeah. of in terms of career, but I, I'm really interested in you and your personal training. Yeah, tra I mean training. I was asked this question a while ago and um, well, I think I did it on a story or something. And I was like, I was kind of tongue in cheek and joking about not actually being able to remember partly due to my age, but partly like I actually sort of can't remember. Like this was the first thing I did that I would call training. I remember going to my first gym, but I remember prior to that, just even as a kid, like, I mean, you remember this, you're growing up in our area, everything was active, you know? So mm -hmm. yeah, I used to, I used to, you know, I, I'd turn anything into a workout, you know, running up and down in the fucking garden. You know, we had a, uh, I remember gashing my fucking shin, almost taking my leg off doing like plyos on this brick wall, which I thought was fucking smart. I had these, you know, you know, fucking old school, remember the fucking bull worker thing? Yeah. You know, I'd be playing around with that. I had one of those, some dumbbells. I'd be, I'd do anything to try and exhaust myself a little bit. I must have had a lot of energy back then. And that's kind of, you know, I guess watching the, you know, I guess Stallone movies and fucking Arnie movies and just that kind of physique and that kind of, that, that you know, it, it, that's what I wanted as a kid. So everything was, was running around. And then like most kids, school started playing football i did everything you could fucking do when it came to athletics and um sports day fuck it i spent more time running around doing different events in sports day than actually doing any good at them i was that tired from the previous one i'll do everything fuck it i was throwing javelins around at one point um <laughs> so and then the actual gym itself started with so um my, my my dad took us to it was like an old really old school um it wasn't even a hell it was like a you remember these like uh, downstairs was like a pool hall type place um and then there'd be all these old school rooms and there'd be like karate 
uh, judo, fucking yeah, all sorts yeah. of different things. Can't remember what they're called. There's a, there's a, there's a name for it. Um, no, so we I mean, took my, fir- my first one was a youth club, but I, I know exactly what yeah. you mean, but can't think. Yeah, Sorry, so if, and then the dads would drop people off. They'd go downstairs, fucking smoke, drink, and fucking play snooker or whatever while you'd be in some some class anyway i tried um i think i tried judo and i didn't fucking like it i tried karate i didn't really like that um and upstairs there was a there was a gym it was a bodybuilding gym and a boxing gym combined so very old school um the guy that ran it was quite well known in in the town so i just started going up there my brother would stay in the karate class and i'd be like fuck it i'm going i like doing my own thing so I'd go up, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd hit the bag and then I'd lift some weights. And I was just making my own shit up, to be honest, uh, at that point, uh, just training. Um, and then the actual start of going to what I would get, I guess really kind of getting into learning a little bit about training was my dad passed away when I, this was when I was like 10. Um, and my next door neighbor had a, a, a gym in his shed. So he started inviting me uh, to train with him and his, you know, his, mates so what go and we just fucking training there and then he took me to my first i guess what i would say gym gym where i stayed training there for a while which was harrisside um gym they were only open old school three days a week like monday wednesday friday was men tuesday thursday saturday was women it was split ton of fucking banter like i i, you know, I learned everything i needed to learn really about gym culture and environment from that place from like mm-hmm. 11 onwards I was going there quite a lot. Um, boxing, what was it like, like, did you pay on the door? Did you like a quid or two quid or something, something like that? I, mean, I think it was like you paid your subs, like you keep it back in there, call it subs. I think it was like three quid a week. So yeah. pound a workout, pay on a Monday, that's you for the week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, met a lot of good people there. Um, the boxing thing started with the, with the YMCA. So that was a friend of mine at school. Um, his family were big into boxing. His, his, his dad, they were, they were contracts and whatnot. His dad was a boxer. Uh, my mate and um, his younger brother, we were, we were the same age as, as me and my brother. So we all kind of hung out, lived fairly close. So we started boxing again. Me and my brother went. Uh, my mate and his brother were going. So we, we'd go and train there quite a lot. Um, my brother didn't really stick at it. He wasn't really into that sort of thing. And then I kind of... I really liked it. So it was kind of, again, you know, almost what I do now, really. But, you know, boxing and lifting, that's all That's all I, that's all I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when I got towards sort of around, I would say, 14. I was starting to take a lot of it really seriously because I wasn't really going to school. <laughs> so the, the excitement of sports day had worn off. I wasn't interested in... I did PE, um, but I wasn't really going to school that much. All I wanted to do was fucking train. Yep. Um, so I'd, I'd go to school here and there, but you know, me and my mates, we'd fuck off for the afternoon or we, we didn't stay in school. So I didn't really do anything when it came to school. I think the only qualification I, I left with was, was some sort of PA, you know, played a bit of football and things like that. But again, I was very much into the individual type sports. I like boxing. I like lifting. I like things I could go and do on my own. Didn't have to rely on other people. Um, so whilst I hung out with, you know, friends and, and whatnot and you know definitely you know did a lot of socializing and getting into trouble as a, as a kid i liked not having to rely on other people when it went when it came to my training and that kind of stuck with me i've always liked sports i can do on my own not necessarily having to get involved in team sports um so that was like the background and how how my training kind of started uh, mm-hmm. and then 
you know, I carried on training, you know, well into my sort of teens around whatever job I could get. You know, I left school, just got, I got a job as a mechanic. I was driving a forklift truck around at one point. Um, basically, just manual labor type jobs because um, I didn't really know that jobs existed in the fitness industry. Like the, the only gyms I went to were, you know, backstreet one-man band type gyms. So you looked at that lifestyle and I knew exactly how those guys were running the gym. You know, they didn't make that much money from the gym. They made money from mm -hmm. whatever else they were up to <laughs> um, as well, right? So, you know, to me, looking at that from the outside, I didn't see fitness as a job. Yeah. Until I did, you know, until finally, you know, things started to um, evolve a bit in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sadly, at the time, in some ways, you know, some of the old, you know, timer bodybuilding gyms started to shut down because health clubs started to open. And when health clubs started to open, you know, not so much in Blackpool, but, you know, personal training, gym instructor jobs, things like that were starting to become available. And that's when I realized okay, maybe there's a there's a career in this because I didn't enjoy what I was doing as a job. That was now I just worked because I left school at 15. I needed to earn money. You know, it was always the mentality, you know, leave school, get a job. That's that's what you do. Doesn't really matter what the job is, you just have to earn money. Um and then yeah, so then when when gym jobs started to kind of become a thing, that's when I got into the industry, you know, as a fitness yeah. instructor, talked about that sort of stuff. So that's that's my sort of, I guess, initiation into into the gym and training. And I guess looking back, it, it was always a, a form of mental escapism and still is <laughs> because, you know, whilst I've evolved my knowledge and evolved, you know, my training to a certain degree, I still... I think that my mentality behind it hasn't changed much. You know, when I, was, when I was a kid, it was about everything was a challenge. How many of these can I do? How many of those can I do? And I've had to try and change that a lot because obviously, you know, I started doing this shit when I was a kid and I'm now nearly 50. So obviously my body's worn down. I've got injuries. Things don't fucking work the way they're supposed to. But my brain needs that, hmm. that fuel. So, uh, so what, when you were younger then, is it what was your training philosophy? Was was it about building muscle? Was it about training hard? What what would what was the philosophy behind it? And where did you get your influence from? And, and things like that. You yeah. mentioned the guys in the gym. Was there was there any big names? No disrespect to the guys in the gym, but or did you just do it all off your own sort of bat? What mostly? Yeah, I mean, it was very much you know the eighties, right? You know the action hero. So I kind of. You know, like yourself, grew up watching Rocky, Rambo, Predator, all this sort of shit. So, and then, you know, looking into Schwarzenegger's history in the bodybuilding, I was very torn on, you know, and probably, probably where I never really ended up getting any good at either, because <laughs> I was kind of torn on. I wanted, I wanted to look like a bodybuilder. I had all the magazines. Like, I go to my mum's sometimes now, and there's fucking stacks of muscle and fitness. Like my mum's a hoarder. She doesn't throw anything away. Mum's never thrown them out. No. It's quite funny because you know, when I'm bored at my mum's, I'll start looking at them and I'm reading shit from the 80s and I'm like, fucking shit's not really that changed that much. Yep. You know, we yep. try and make it sound more educated, but it's not changed as much as we think. So I was very much, the, the, from a looks point of view, I love the bodybuilding type side of things. I wanted to be massive. 
And then obviously, I love the boxing side of things. You know, I had a, I put a bag up, hung on my tree in the back garden at one point. Like I would make anything into a workout if I could. Um, so I'd go to the gym, the weights gym three times a week. And uh, the guy that owned that gym kind of taught me the basics about bodybuilding and how to, mm -hmm. how to lift. They had old school, full body, three workouts up on the wall. He'd show you how yeah. to do all the exercises. And then you'd follow those. And then after a while, I've been training quite a while. Some days I'd jump in with their group. So he had a group. They'd be like him and two or three of the guys. They'd all meet at around four o'clock. And that's when the gym got fun. Like around that four o'clock time, the, the, like the guys had finished work, they'd all come in and, yeah. you know, they'd be wearing docker boots, jeans, fucking check shirts. Like none of them looked athletic. Like there wasn't a night t-shirt amongst, yeah. amongst any of them. Right. Um, so then I, sometimes I'd get invited to lift with them. So they'd be like, Oh, what are you doing? So, you know, it'd be like, you know, uh, they, and again, they did full body. They start with squats, not much deadlifting back in the day. Interestingly enough, yeah. it's always squats, yeah. legs into bench and, and upper body. So I jump in with those guys and that kind of taught me the basics of, of training hard and simple. Um, and like I said, the boxing was the thing on the, on the side of that. So at the same time as, a, as I was trying to do that and look like a bodybuilder and get strong, I'd be up stupid o'clock in the morning running because <laughs> I thought running was the way to get fit, which it was. Um, we'd do that, do the sand dunes, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then I'd box. Tuesday, Thursday night at the YMCA. Um, so, you know, I kind of, I kind of went a bit all in on both, but never, never all in on one. I didn't like bodybuilding as a sport. Never yeah. have. Like, you're not seeing yeah. me jump on fucking stage. I love. Yeah, you've not, you've never been on that. You've never been on stage. I've no, no, I love the training. I love the lifestyle. Um, but yeah, as far as like jumping on the stage, and I don't see that as a sport. It's fucking beauty pageant. Um, bodybuilders, here he is. Here he goes. That's what I was looking. <laughs> that's what I was looking for with Conor McGregor before. But there yeah. we go. We're we're there. We're warming up nicely now. You know what I mean? So and this one's a little easier. I'm not. It's not personal. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. A yeah. Bit. So um, you you train whole body three times a week, then? Yeah. Back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how how's that evolved then through your if we stay with the this the your training your training splits all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. how's that because you then you then mentioned no deadlifting I mean now you've said it yeah and I you obviously you know been in gyms before I have and been probably arguably a lot more certainly bodybuilding type gyms now I, yeah I'd never seen anyone now you've said it I'd never seen anyone deadlift um, so. How 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 did things evolve for you then with training for your twenties, thirties, forties, and and how how does training look for you now? Because I, from what I've seen, you train your balls off still. So what does it look like? Yeah. Now, well, I mean, like throughout everything evolved once I got into the industry, in some ways with my own training. So like a lot of coaches, I went down the the like you know the path of trying almost every different training style under the sun for a few years, you know. So, you know, I came from a very bodybuilding type background. And you remember even when I came to LA Fitness, I still had that simple training philosophy and style with my clients where I trained my clients a little bit like bodybuilders. We do, depends on how many times a week I train them, but it wouldn't always be full body. It'd be certain muscle groups. So I moved more into a split as I got older, but I also started trying and getting into what whoever was learning off you know looking at some paul check stuff you know 
And then, like you said, the, the functional stuff, which I fucking hate and never really understood. That's, um, on, that, that's on my question list. We'll come back to that come back in a minute. We'll come back to that one. Um, you know, and then there was like, you know, there was the, the how to sort of sell yourself as a trainer. So everyone was going down the route of postural analysis and trying to fucking fix people and da, da, da. And, I, and I tried all of these things and a lot of it, I was a bit resistant to, but I tried it. And then I, you know, I tried the, the CrossFit route and fucking just putting circuits together and all this sort of stuff. And a lot of it was aimed at, you know, what's going to sell in some ways best as a, as a, as a personal trainer, what, what's going to hook clients in, what do they kind of want to do? How do they want to feel like they've been trained? But all along that was never really my own training philosophy. So it kind of came full circle. And even back now it's like, okay, in the gym, I still do a lot of things more like, like bodybuilding style training, slower tempo, more control, you know, trying to really, you know, facilitate and feel, you know, the muscle fibers actually doing the work. I, I did get more into strength. I think when I was younger and I was, and I was doing the bodybuilding and I was combining that with boxing because I was doing so much training, I did get stronger, but I, ne I wasn't bothered about numbers. Uh, that yeah. came a little later when I really started to focus on, okay, I want, you know, I want to be able to squat this much, deadlift this much, bench this much. And yeah. I got more into like a powerlifting base. Yeah. And I got really into that and I still do a lot of that now. So like a powerlifting base with a hypertrophy bodybuilding type accompaniment to to those lifts. So, you know, I'll, I'll start my workout with a big lift and then my accessory work's going to be more bodybuilding. So I might bench work up to a heavy single or a couple of heavy singles or whatever, like a powerlifter might. And then I'm like, okay, incline dumbbells, machine press, cable press, whatever, uh, mm -hmm. assistance work. So that's kind of where, where my own lifting's gone. I've got very into biomechanics, the best position to put your body in to move the most load. Cause I've always believed that like load is king. Yeah. Um, and being able to push the muscles to some sort of failure, which I still like to do, even if it's just one or two sets, is how the body's going to grow. Um, there's a lot of debate on a lot of that, and I'm not saying we should kill it to failure every single session, but I think if we're not pushing our muscles, you know, and, and creating some sort of progressive overload, then you know, the biggest thing I see, especially in the industry, is a lot of trainers getting tra clients they can to lose a lot of weight, get lean, but they don't build any muscle. Yep. There's a missing link there, and I think it's not training clients hard enough, or at least teaching them to understand what hard training looks like. Hard training doesn't have to look like someone throwing weights that are too big for them around yeah. the gym, you know, bouncing things around and, you know, not having good technique and then forcing to that kind of failure. It's about the working muscle being pushed to failure mm -hmm. and how you can do that in a controlled manner. I think that's missing in the industry a little bit. So, so it's, so it's relative to you then. Yeah. It's relative to yeah. where you're at and where your level is and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, my training philosophy in some ways went full circle and then back to basics and then now I really, you know, I, I only look to kind of educate myself on how can we do those basics better? Mm -hmm. You know, is there better ways to do the basic movements, lifts, and get more out of those things from a positional point of view from the you know, type of equipment we maybe use? But again, that's an individual thing. The best piece of equipment for one person isn't the best piece of equipment for another. So making it individualized so that the, the client themselves can get the most out of it. I do the same now for me because because of injuries. So some things, you know, hurt my shoulder or hurt my bicep and I don't use that apparatus anymore. 
you know. Yeah. Um, I'll use something where I can get the stimulus I want. So instead of getting hung up on, you know, you've got to do barbell bench because I love it. Well, if that's fucking up my shoulder and yeah. there's a machine press that's more comfortable, I'm still going to push and try and get the same stimulus out of that machine, but there's less pain because yeah. it's in a more stable position. So, so that's where my, my lifting's kind of gone. And I do that a lot with clients. And it's also a lot of how I teach my coaches and trainers, mm-hmm. keep things very simple, um, mm-hmm. but design the program around the person in front of you and what's going to get them the most out of it. And really my education philosophy is all around the principles, not the mm-hmm. best exercise, not the yeah. best rep range, not the best this, because there isn't one. That's an individual thing. But the yeah. principles, just like in sport, are kind of the principles there. If you're not following the principles, it doesn't matter what exercise you pick. It doesn't matter yeah. what rep range you do and all that sort of stuff. Makes sense. Um, and then I still love all the conditioning stuff. So again, I'm still, you know, 30, 40 years later, in some ways, a little confused with my end outcome. Like, you know, I like to be fit. You know, I do a lot of jujitsu, as you know, I do a lot of boxing. And one thing, as much as I love, you know, looking quite big and jacked, I don't like getting tired. Mm-hmm. And big muscle tires you out and makes you gas. So, you know, I fight that a lot with cardio. So I recently bought a Watt bike. I've got that at home. I get on the bike and do some do some sort of steady state cardio at home. And again, that's a lot around health and heart health and stuff like that, which I believe is really important. I mean, a lot of people... Mm-hmm for years went off on the direction oh you don't need cardio yep i'm pretty sure the heart needs training in in a specific way as well so i'm not one of those advocates of you don't need to do cardio i think you should do some sort of cardio and then i still just try and keep or maintain some sort of balance of you know i don't want to say explosiveness i'm, not, I'm certainly not explosive anymore <laughs> but you know plyometrics body weight exercises conditioning type work that keeps yeah. me feeling fit when I'm on the mat or when I'm doing some boxing, my movement feels semi okay. I know when I'm not doing enough of that because I just feel heavy and tired yeah. and everything's fucking hard work. I can outstrength most people yeah. in either of those sports, whether it's jujitsu or um, boxing, but it doesn't matter when you gas out. You know, I talk okay. a lot about that nowadays. So trying to keep some sort of gas tank at my age is, is crucial. Um, and it's probably the hardest thing I find. Like I get so fucking tired and I get so annoyed when I'm gassing out because I'm just like, I feel like I've almost got to explain because everyone I train with is like 20 years younger than me. And part of you just wants to be like, you'd have fucking, you wouldn't have been able to live with me 20 years ago. Now I'm like, oh, fucking tired gassing. So that part's tough. And I think that's why I find letting go of training hard and the psychology behind training hard and the not wanting to, lose what I've built and done in a, in a lifetime of training. You know, okay. it becomes more about not losing it than yeah. what I'm gaining. I'm not getting any stronger. I have yeah. a moment where yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that was a decent squat. I'm not really getting any fit, fitter. Again, I have my moments. If I'm, if I'm doing more conditioning work, I feel fitter. But I'm certainly not beating 25-year-old John mm-hmm. in the gym. You know, um, my skills might be better, but I'm not out outworking that person anymore so yeah yeah i think a lot of my training is still clinging on to the old psychology i've always had clinging on to the fact that i kind of need to exhaust myself and that's not good really i'm aware that that's not actually a good thing it tires me out and sometimes wrecks me for the rest of the day if i'm not careful because i don't have the energy to recover like i used to 
but training and you know, it's always been a big psychological thing for me. It's, it's as much mental as it is physical. Obviously, I like to look at the own weight, but if I don't train, you know, you, people don't, you don't want to be around me if I don't get to get my workout in. Like, well, whether I'm on um, holiday, no matter where I am, I, I've got to get it in and I function better if I've done something. Um, for me, it's just about slowing. Been talking about this a lot recently and it's just trying to slow things down a little bit. Um, and letting go of like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, you know, I, I hold a lot of my value, I guess, as a coach, as a trainer, as someone in this industry, based on how I look, based on how I train, based on those sort of things. And sooner or later, you've got to, you've got to let that go. I'm sure there's a bit more to me than those things. <laughs> you're ne you're never, you're never going to let that go, mate. No, so I've, I've got about 10 things there that I want to ask you. So yeah. just hold on, just hold it there for us, will you? Because... This is the typical of you because you so you, this is this is your life, isn't it? Training and yeah, I could go on. I've on. picked up about ten things that I want to ask you there. So I, okay, I need I need to know strength is pointless without conditioning. Conditioning is pointless without strength. Is is that is that fair? Are you, are you does that I, vary I think, with? Well, it depends on the goal. But I, yeah. I you know I mean look if your um, um, Sport, let's say, is a is as a powerlifter or as a strong yeah. or whatever. And obviously, the the you know you're going to be 90 percent of your training has to be dictated around sport and maybe ten percent around some sort of conditioning uh, mm -hmm. to be able to facilitate that over over a period of time. So, but for me, yes, I think you know for for general public, I think yes, you want to you know you want to exercise, train. People want to look a certain way, but we need to stay fit and conditioned. And yeah. I think you know being able to do that as well is is good psychologically, and from yeah. an athletic and a sport background, it really just depends on the sport. So when I'm when I'm designing anything based around an athlete or for sport, it'll just come to the percentage of usage of each. Mm -hmm. But definitely, you know, as you've worked with a lot of fighters in the fight game, I don't really care how strong you are. If that strength's only going to last thirty seconds to a minute, then. Yeah. You better finish the fight because if you don't, you're in a fucking shit ton of trouble from someone who, you know, can't even lift half the weight that you might lift in the gym. It's, it's irrelevant. So yeah. I like to try and get a good balance of, of each. And then also, you know, if it is an athlete, look at the, the natural abilities and skills set of that athlete. And also maybe look at the game plan because you can't, you can't necessarily make someone who's got super fast twitch explosive power you're not going to make them into an endurance athlete you know you might you can give them more endurance just like you're not going to make a, a an endurance athlete into a super powerful fast twitch you know person there's there's those both ends of the, of the spectrum ideally mm -hmm. you want your athlete to meet somewhere in the middle and i think a lot of the best athletes in the world tend to meet somewhere in the middle um but if you've got people on either side of the spectrum, then you can only give them so much of the other. And then the rest might be, you know, can I put a game plan together for that athlete that says, right, we've tested as fucking as explosive as a wrestler as you are. You've got about four takedowns around and then you're going to yeah. start gassing. So um, what about because I'm going off on one here now because you've you've come yeah. to the fighting, which was on me thing. So what yeah. about uh, weights will make you slow? No, I mean, look, I think people forget that in most fight sports, um, you know, weight categories are there for a reason. 
So mm-hmm. I don't see how strength training slows you down. I think if you're slow, you're slow, <laughs> right? Yeah. And strength yeah. training won't necessarily help you speed up. You know, yeah. you have to do specific speed type training. And I think, you know, again, some of this comes down to improving on what you're blessed with. Some people are very explosive and very fast in, in, in nature. They have very fast twitch muscle fibers and they are quick. Some people are slower and more endurance and you can, you can train in a way that gives you a bit more of one or the other, but a lot of it's kind of natural. And then when you train that person, what starts to happen? So, you know, I, I, I don't think weights makes you slow. I think sometimes it's a residual effect of the weights that makes you appear slower. So I, you know, when I first met you guys, I think I was like, you know, 80, 80 something kilos. I always looked quite big, but I was light for my, I've always been lighter than what people think I am. Mm -hmm. So I use kilos. um, I've got into fucking pounds over here a lot, but I think I was like 80 to 85 half the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, when I started focusing more on just lifting and getting stronger and putting weight on, you know, I got to 95 kilos at one point. So I put 10 kilos on Mm -hmm. hell of a lot stronger, but I'm not going to maintain these. We're going to be very hard to maintain the speed of someone at 85 versus 95. So my weight slowed me down. Maybe the bulkier muscles, maybe the stuff, but it's not just, that's not as it's, it's, it's not as binary as that is it? it's not as simple no, as that exactly. and you see it like look I, you know i've been training with this guy here and he's uh you know most of my coaches are, uh, that i have with boxing things are usually smaller than me um but even with the difference between training with chris um in la who's a lot lighter just, than people quite who's chris just just in case people uh, don't know uh, who's chris um, yeah, Chris Van Heerden, Fort Connor, Fort Connor Ben recently, um, a few years ago actually now, but um, ex-world champion. Um, and he's smaller than me, but he's the same height, but he's good at going at my pace. And, and the guy that I'm with at the minute is a lot smaller. And he, mm-hmm. we're doing footwork stuff and footwork drills that I'm just fucking not designed for. He makes it look easy. I was standing on a tyre going for you, mate. All right, fucking kills. And, I, you know, and again, but that, talking about even conditioning, like people get conditioning mixed up and wrong. Like what does conditioning even mean? And it's being yeah. able to fucking put the small things through their paces that are going to give up. Um, yeah, fucking horrendous. But this, this guy is great with his footwork, but he's fucking tiny. He's a small guy, super fast, you know, and you're like, and so, but he's designed that way and he's, he fights yeah. that way and he's fucking 30 years old or whatever. And he's like, we're, we're doing footwork drills. And I'm just like, I'm like a fucking elephant trying to do, you know, I'm trying to move around like a fucking lightweight and I'm a heavyweight, right? So, you know, I think when it comes to weight training, making you slow, it's not that. I think sometimes it's the residual effects. Fighters go up in weight and then they 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 appear slower than they were at their mm-hmm. lighter weights. Mm-hmm. And people who have been up at that weight through their whole career and are quick at that weight, then all of a sudden appear quicker. Yep. But if you brought that person down in weight to match the other fighter three, four years ago, when they were that weight, the speed would seem very different. So, no, like long, long-winded fucking answer. I don't think strength training slows you down at all. I think it's the residual effect of strength training. If you're not mm-hmm. doing the right things when it comes to speed development, explosiveness, and all the other things that go into making you quick, then, yeah, you're going to slow down. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're slowing down because of the weights. You're slowing down because yeah. you're not doing the other things and you're gaining weight, which is then harder to move. You know, if you gain, you know, five kilos, it's, it's, 
it's harder to move. Put a weight vest on yeah, and move around and tell me you're just as fast. Your muscles haven't changed, but you've added five kilos to your body weight and you're going to be slower, right? So mm. that's yeah, my take um, I've, I've got all a list of stuff. I'm just going to throw a few more things yeah. at you, if that's okay, and just almost quick fire at you because I want... Yeah. I want to know your thoughts on a number of things. It's stuff you've just touched on there. and So um, I'm going to come to, obviously, the money shot in, in a bit, but I'm glad you, you mentioned your own training before. Because I think people have got an insight to this now because you've been posting cardio and stuff, but you've always done cardio, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Big guy, you've always done cardio. You've always kept yourself flexible and done core, haven't you, and yoga and all kinds of different yeah. stuff like that as well. So that's part of your philosophy, isn't it? Um, keeping people... Keeping your body supple and keeping it moving. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, in any endeavor, right? Like, look, if you're going to be very specific, as I've said, you need to be specific in that sport. But if your training is is based around health and, and movement and longevity, like I like to be able to train somebody who maybe doesn't have a specialist area they want to do. But if all of a sudden that person came to me and went, I want to be able to do a 10K running a few months, I just signed up for it. I wouldn't want my client to be that far away from it. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, or all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to do this this powerlifting thing. There's like a novice powerlifting thing. I'm going to do it in a couple of months. Do you think I'll be ready? I'm like, yeah, we, we, we lift mm-hmm. heavy anyway. So my philosophy with most people is to get you, you know, old school, you know, well, actually what strength and conditioning actually means. A lot of people, you know, call themselves S&C coaches and they're not. They're a strength coach and yeah. they don't really understand conditioning and fitness and all the other things and everything that goes into yeah. that. You know, conditioning is a massive field. Strength is one component and it's the most, in some ways, the most simple component. Mm-hmm. Conditioning someone to be able to then do events and compete or be an athlete is, is, is a whole other ball game. Um, yeah. And then making sure they're not getting injured and all these other things. So, for me, I take that strength and conditioning philosophy into my training style in a way that, you know, I I don't want to be a million miles away from going, someone saying, hey, do you want to do this fucking climb or this event or this run or whatever? And I want to be able to go, yeah, okay. Yeah. How long we got? A couple of months? Okay. And I've I'll seen be, you do, I've muzzle. seen... I've seen you do that, literally just enter a run or whatever and, a, you know, yeah. a few weeks training and you're good to go, aren't you? Yeah, and I'm not going to be breaking any records, don't get me wrong, but it's not this, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to put like, you know, six months of specific training into that thing yeah. because I might not enjoy it enough. You yeah. know, I don't want to all of a sudden become a marathon runner, but, you know, someone says, let's do a half marathon. I'm like, okay, give me six weeks. Give me six mm-hmm. weeks of running, that'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and your... that's, that, that's my philosophy on that. What's your thoughts on training when you've got an injury? I know you're a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in case people don't know. <laughs> um, you, yeah, yeah. You, you've done loads of bodybuilding, as you've talked about, loads of boxing. You're a black belt in BJJ. You've had some injuries. What's your, what? Well, you've had some pretty decent injuries as well, haven't you? What's, what do you do when you've been injured? What's your thoughts on that? So, well, I mean, there's definitely a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do component to this a little bit. Like, pain should be your number one indicator. Right. So mm-hmm. first of all, work out or do your best to understand why you're getting the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's quite severe, my first process now with everyone is go and get go and get it scanned. Go and find out exactly what the problem is because you know it's gonna be really hard to to heal. You know, if a few weeks rest doesn't do it, 
on that body part, um, then you know you, you, you're going to struggle to to heal it if you don't really know what the problem is. What, yeah. what, what exercises should I be doing? So my first process is always to find exercises and movements that don't hurt whilst whatever was hurting hopefully subsides and, and heals mm-hmm. depending on whether it's just a torn muscle, torn ligament, tendons, whatever, whatever that might be. It depends how severe it is. I think finding smart ways of positioning yourself, getting the joint in a stable position to still move some load so you can keep strength in that area is crucial as long as you can do it without pain like i said pain should be number one indicator if it's hurting don't do it but don't just not train right you've just you've just answered my question thank you so you had your arm in a sling not long ago didn't you is that you i can't remember was that your bike years ago shoulder surgery yeah Yeah, Yeah. a few years ago yeah Um, what were you doing well, I mean, like, you know, again, for me, it's, it's straight away. I mean, I, I jumped on, I did a picture of me in a sling and on a fucking bike, um, not even 24 hours later. But again, it's my, my philosophy straight away was right. I've just been under, you know, local anesthetic. I want to get that shit out of my body. So yep. that was number one. That was the reason I did some cardio. I was like, right, get on, sweat this crap out of my system. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever been put under and had surgery, you feel like shit for a few days after yep. until you get that crap out of your system. You know, and then... You know, for me, training psychological, there's always something you can do. So I could have my arm in a sling for six weeks or whatever it took. I can train my legs. Yeah. I can get on a certain piece of equipment. I can train the other arm if I want. You know, there's different studies that have been done that suggest, and I don't really agree with them, but, you know, if you if you stimulate one side, there's a residual mental stimulus to the, to the, to the injured side. So, mm-hmm. you know... I don't want to create another imbalance by over smashing the other side. I won't do that, but I'll yeah. go in, train my legs, maybe do three or four exercises with, with the good arm and don't move the other arm. Just do my rehab on the other shoulder uh, until it starts to get strong enough to start to, you know, get both sides going again. But I think, you know, exercise for me is such a psychological thing that I still need to have that feeling each day that I've done some sort of exercise training, whether that's, cardio because i can't lift or whether it's doing muscle groups that um like i've got a shoulder my shoulder's fucked again now i do I, you know this last few weeks i've done mostly back hamstrings legs arms i'm not doing any pressing at the moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and <laughs> rightly or wrongly i'm punching the shit out of pads and bags so i don't know whether that's doing my shoulder any good but it doesn't hurt as much doing that so yeah you know um so, yeah, I don't believe in stopping training completely. When people go, oh, I'm injured, yeah. so I'm not going to train. I'm like, well, yeah. you've only injured this. You know, yeah. continue to exercise. And, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to work, um, you know, weaker areas that maybe you don't work so much. You know, when I had Rami Sling class, I was training legs nearly every day. Um, mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu would be a, a really good example of that, right? And it's not, you know, we should definitely stay off the mat a bit more. I mean, everyone, everyone that does Jiu-Jitsu knows that everybody's broken, but... You know, if I go in and I know there's positions I can't do, usually when you're injured, like anything, it takes away what you're good at. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, right, okay, I'm going to lie on my back and I'm just going to work escapes. I'm going to work whatever I can. I'm not going to use this side. I'm not going to use it. I'm going to find ways of doing it. And I think that's really good from a problem-solving point of view because, you know, that transition to kind of almost life mentality of, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, look... God forbid someone attacks you, right? But you've got an injury. Mm-hmm. Someone goes at you in the street or whatever or tries to mug you or something. You're like, oh, no, I can't. So I'm injured. Just yeah. 
yeah. or you're going to fucking deal with it. You know, it might be a yeah. life or death situation. My arm could be falling off. Yeah. But if I've trained like that, and if I've been on the mat and I'm like, okay, I know what I can't do, but I know what I fucking can do. Yeah. I know where I need to be to make sure I can either protect myself or do some damage if I need to. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a crucial mental state, I think, yeah, to have. Yeah. I think training around something and continuing to be able to progress, even while something or some part of your body is in a bad state, is 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 a really good psychological tool, just, just as in life. So you don't stop training. That's the first thing. Yeah. And you find a way to train and there's always something you can do and, and and you use it as I love that. You use it as an opportunity to develop other areas of weakness. Yeah, absolutely. Or areas yeah, of you, development. Yeah, say. if that's the only thing I can train, then I'm gonna train that yeah. until it fucking falls off. Yeah, I love you that. You know. Love that. Um couple couple more. Um what do you do if anything for recovery? That's that's my next question to you. <laughs> sleep mostly yeah. power nap um to be honest that's my biggest biggest failure i don't i don't do enough specific stuff when it comes to recovery i think sports massage would be the one thing uh, that i think is 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 very good there's a because i think there's a lot of different studies on what we what we class as recovery and whether it really works everyone's into the ice bath stuff now mm-hmm. i think that's good psychologically whether that really does a lot of the things it says it does from a recovery mm-hmm. physical recovery point of view mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not too sure i'm i'm not sold on all the all the evidence for against i do like doing them although it really gives me a fucking heart attack. Uh, red light therapy, red light saunas, I think are very yeah. good. I like the Normatec. We have the Normatec leggings um, and back and arms. Um, um, for those of you that don't know, it's like a compression suit that you yeah. put on and you stick it on for like 30 minutes. And again, you know, science on some of that stuff can be sketchy, but what it does force you to do is once you're stuck in that, you're lying there for 30 minutes, not moving. So yeah, anything nothing, that allows yeah. you yeah body to just and mind to a certain degree to just sit still could be good um obviously nutrition is crucial yeah. hydration is crucial um so you know top top priority should always be you know your nutrition and your and your hydration and then the tools that you need to to, to relax mm-hmm. the um the actual muscle groups you may be overworked but and this is where sometimes you know we fail we, we fall down a little bit as coaches is if your nutrition's on point, uh, your hydration and, and your sleep and all these other things are on point, good programming right. is probably just as crucial as recovery things. Like if you're if you're relying purely on recovery tools to recover, there's probably something wrong in your programming and the mm-hmm. amount and the way you're training those things that they're not getting to recover. And then you should be taking a look at that. A top level coach will know okay, if we've just smashed these muscle groups, what 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 do we now need to do? Yeah. When should we hit those again? How does this fit into your sport? How does this fit into other things? So for me, a lot of the recovery things you can do are extra and they're kind of sticking a plaster on a problem that's going to be, that's going to happen further down the line if you're programming and yeah. just general rest and recovery schedule from your training is not correct in the first place. Yeah. All you're doing is adding things in to try and counterbalance. I don't like the term overtraining unless you're an athlete, uh, because I think most people don't overtrain. But yeah. if you're in that state, 
you're not going to get yourself out of that state by doing a few ice baths and saunas and, and, and things like that. They will make you feel better short term. But yeah. the problem underneath is still there because the programming's not right. The rest, your sleep, your nutrition and those things are maybe not right. Yeah, makes absolute sense. Um, I'm going for it. Functional training. <laughs> I fucking love this question. I mean, every time I answer it a little differently, but my argument to functional training is like, what the fuck's, what is functional? What's not functional? Is anything not functional? You know, functional, functional in its fucking term is why are you doing it? Yeah. Right? Why, why are you fucking doing it? So when people go, oh, bicep curls are not functional. Well, if you're a bodybuilder, they are because yeah. you're going to be judging how big your fucking biceps are and what shape they are and all that other shit. So, yeah, I, I, functional was that thing that fucking, I don't know, it seemed to come in years ago. And like people still say it. There's another term. And I don't know if it came from Polycrine or whatever, but like functional bodybuilding. Yeah, functional bodybuilding, yeah. Like what the fuck does that mean? Just bodybuilding like, with good technique, is that then? Or what, what, what is that? Well, oh, I think it was like, oh, well, you know, bodybuilding doesn't get you strong. So we're going to do functional bodybuilding whereby the strength can be used for other everyday life things. And, and I, I remember that terminology. You know, we train you so you can do do things in everyday life as you get older. It's like, well, shouldn't you be able to do that shit anyway? Like, you know, what's the point of being strong if, you know, you can't reach up to the top shelf and grab a tin of fucking beans or something? It's like, well, I could stand on a fucking stepladder or something. Like, I don't I don't need to fucking stretch stretch Armstrong myself and do fucking... No, 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 joke, no jokes at me there, you know what I mean? There's no, no deadlift. There's no deadlift going to allow me no. to reach the top shelf, is there? So. No, but I just, I remember this bullshit in the industry of, like, I'm training you for everyday life occurrences. Well, what the fuck happens in everyday life that you need to be able to fucking deadlift 500 pounds or squat this or do this? A stronger, fitter, more athletic human being is by and large going to be more useful. Yeah. Should should you ever need to, to, to use it, right? I think one of the best analogies I ever heard, and I never really thought about this, was, you know, if you had to carry someone out of a burning building, you know, run into the street, pick someone up because they're about to get, they've fallen over, maybe they're going to get, there's a car coming, they're going to run over you. Are you able-bodied enough to potentially do that? Does your exercise and your training help you do that? Because if mm -hmm. you had to stand back and watch someone potentially get really fucking hurt or die because of your lack of giving a shit about your own body and how it works. And like I say, it doesn't mean to say we have to be breaking records in the gym, but we should be strong enough and fit enough to maybe be able to do that. Should we be called upon? Right. And I think society's changed so much. You know, if you go back to our parents and our grandparents era, and you think about world wars and shit like that, like everybody was enlisted. You had to go, you know, when, when World War One and Two, you didn't have a fucking choice, right? And people were fit enough back then to go off and fight a fucking war. Well, can you imagine that nowadays with kids yeah. that are overweight and just sit on the fucking yeah. computer games? All of a sudden, you're like, we've got to rely on you lot to fucking potentially save the planet. So that, when it comes to functional, I fucking hate the term functional. I think all training exercise is functional for its purpose and its goal. You know, if you need yeah. to run across a fucking desert, then you'd better be able to run 
X amount of miles. And whilst no one needs to be able to run that far, look at people that do ultra marathons, hundred mile fucking runs. No one needs to be able to do that. Yeah. But if you if you want to do that as a sport, then you better train that 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 to that length. But should you be able to run a mile if need be? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. should you be able to lift this off that person within reason? You know, I'm not saying you have to fucking lift a car off somebody. Yeah. But are you strong enough to at least fucking help in in a in a in a, in a life or death situation? Yeah. Can and you that, and that could be someone you love, right? So, yeah, because a lot of people in society now would just, you know, I, I, I sat there at the airport, I was in New York not that long ago, and I was sat at the airport, and I, I get fucked off at airports with overweight people anyway, because I just think you should pay double for your seat, because whilst I take up a bit of room, admittedly so on my seat, it's like if I've got someone sat next to me who's taking up almost both seats because they're obese, it's just like, you know, and, you know, not to mention you start getting onto the healthcare system and all this sort of shit that they take up. But, you know, this woman's there and, you know, she's sat there. She's, she's massively obese, typical kind of almost, I guess, America. She's got, it's 10, so it's 10 a.m. This was the worst bit. I wanted to film it because I was going to put it on my stories and I was just like, don't, John, you're going to cause too much hassle. You know, she's got a pizza, 10 a.m., a bottle of Coke. Mm-hmm. Some pastries that she'd bought from somewhere. So not just a pizza, some pastries, and then something else on top of that. I can't remember what the third thing was, but it was all shit, fatty. Oh food. shit, yeah. I'm like, do you not care about yourself at all? And I know there's deeper psychological issues and all yeah. this sort of stuff goes yeah. on with some stuff, but you just like, I get it. Maybe you've got problems, but would you not want to fucking be better and mm. do a bit better than that? I can, mm. you know, I don't. I've never understood how people really get obese at what point they didn't think to maybe do something about it yeah. but yeah you know I've why, why, why has it got so bad why is yeah. it how's it ended up this bad yeah yeah i'm not a horrible person to this look it's my industry we help yeah you know, we, yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah of course great when they finally flick a switch but yeah i just think sometimes these things happen with people and they just don't think about the bigger picture and you know mm. I mean, you see it a lot with dads you know all of a sudden they've let themselves go and then they have a kid yeah. I have so many people come in, you know, dads and go, I need to get fit. I want to be able to play with my kid in 10 years' time. Yeah. I've just had a baby yeah. and he's going to want to play sport and shit. I'm 40-odd years old. I've let myself go. So, you know, whatever the motivation is, I'm, I'm all good with it. But I think mm -hmm. getting into people's heads that we should be thinking about this stuff anyway and thinking about how bad would you feel. And look, hopefully it doesn't happen to anybody. But if you was in a situation where your lack of physical ability, because you let it go, not because you've got a disability, not because you've got a, a problem, yeah. that's very different, but because you let it go, yeah. Yeah. you couldn't potentially help save someone's life. You'd have to yeah. stand back and watch someone else do it. What a shit position that must be in, you know? Yeah. I'll run into a fucking burning building to save someone. Yeah. Because I know athletically I can fucking handle it. Yeah. I, I might yeah. inhale a load of smoke fumes and die. <laughs> but I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck, what, what if I can't pick the person yeah, up? I, I, I'll I, pick to you up. I totally get it and I love it. It's not going to be climbing the stairs that's going to burn your legs out, is it? Or no. you know, putting them on yeah. your shoulder or whatever. Yeah, and I want to be yeah. in that position. I want to be the person that that, that, that that can help if need be. Now, I've never really been in many of those situations, but... I know that if I was, I'll be the first first in there helping. Yeah, you'd be all right. Um, I love that, and I love that that principle. I think if more of us adopted that principle, like you say, we'd be would be a healthier world. 
that's mm. a big statement, right? But it's it's fucking it's fucking true. It's absolutely true, and it's that deep. Without going too deep on that, say, but that's that deeper thing that it's not just about you as well. That, it, that there's a deeper reason for that, you know, whether it's yeah, family, exactly. family, kids, whatever. Um, mate, I've got one last question. Yeah, because uh, we're we're kind of out of time now, I think. But um, you've been in the industry now for thirty odd years. You're an OG. You're an OG in this industry now. <laughs> that's not like old something. This is your that, that <laughs> yeah. you're you're a you're a gangster in this industry. There's no question about that in my mind. You've trained longer. You've trained by the sounds of it pretty much all your life. Uh, you you definitely a shining example. Um, my son did his first ever weight training session with you when you yeah. were, when you were over from the states. My, I would not let my son train with anybody, and you know there was nobody better in my view in this country in the UK, and arguably there's not many in the world to teach my son. You know that's where you sit in the industry. What advice have you got? for that young kid, the next young John Bond, who's wanting to maybe train, looking at role models, looking to get started. What what tips, what little bit of advice can you give that young lad or girl or whoever yeah. to start their training journey? Well, I think number one uh, is, you know, start. You know, if, if, if it's something that you're into, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's playing a sport, you know, get into it, try and get yourself in a good environment. So, you know, for me, and I'm sure you the same, like, you know, being on certain teams, having certain coaches that support you and, and, and understand you and are willing to teach you is also crucial. You know, be, be quick. If possible, it's hard when you're young, but be quick to realise if you're not in an environment that's that's helping you grow. Uh, and isn't supportive. That's that's that can be quite common. You hear you hear a lot of the opposite stories to mine, where I you know I've spent my whole life putting myself in the in the environment I want to put myself in. I talk about it a lot. I go, I've been to nearly every top level gym and you know even fight based gyms around the world on purpose to go and sample the coaching and be around the right kind of people in order to learn and grow. Have that, you know, have that want to be around the best people mm-hmm. and be aware that you're going to be at the bottom of that pack quite a lot every time you take a step up, but be patient and be willing to learn. And the one thing about training, um, especially if it comes to like weightlifting, uh, even sport is, you know, there's a huge part of delayed gratification that isn't part of our world anymore a lot of the times right if we take it into our careers and all these other things social media everybody wants to be it now and yesterday and a lot of people if you're not careful will take steps to cheat the system or do things in a way that is probably not going to be healthy for you long term in order to get more instant gratification the look at me uh, look at how good i am type thing I think there's a, 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 I would still say, you know, if I look at back to, to my day, and I'm sure you were the same, like a lot of stuff went on in some ways, not literally, actually, sometimes literally, but not literally underground, but just submerge yourself in it without feeling like you need to post everything on social media, without feeling like you need to tell everybody, just go in and lay the groundwork, learn whatever craft it is you wanting to learn when it comes to training, get good at it, 
you know, and then start to decide where you maybe want to take it, whether that be into the professional arena, professional sport training, whether you want to do it as a career or whatever. Um, but, you know, use it as a, as a mental and a psychological tool to help better you as an individual. And for me, training has always given me that focus. You know, it's the one thing every single day that I am 100%, well, not 100%, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty focused on what my goal is yeah. within that session for that day. And I can take those lessons in, into other things because I know when I'm not focused, things are a shit show. Whether it's my training, whether it's work, whether it's whatever. If I, do, if I go into something without the focus to get on with it, you know, I open my laptop and the next thing I'm fucking about on YouTube and looking at all sorts of shit. I'm not really getting my work done. So, you know, th that would be, I guess, my advice is, you know, recap in a nutshell, get started, pick something you want to do. If you don't like it, change. Don't give up on sport and exercise just because you don't like the first thing you try. You know, I tried a few different types of fight sports and I hated them. I like mm -hmm. the freedom of boxing. Um... So, I, so I, I tried different ones until I found something that stuck. Same thing with weightlifting. You don't have to be a bodybuilder. You know, you might like CrossFit. You might like circuit-style training. You might like cardio. You might like try them. Find something yeah. that sticks that makes you feel good. And then run with it. And then, you know, if you want to take it even further, study it, learn it, you know, get yeah. to understand it. Because um, I think that breeds more and more motivation. The more you understand about something and, and, and why it works and why it makes you feel good and feel better, the more motivated you tend to, to be to stick yeah. at it. Once you've created the habit, hopefully that sticks with you the rest of your life. You don't have to be like me, you know, fucking train yourself into the ground, but exercise and staying healthy is, you know, in my opinion, will make you a more productive human being in general, whatever you take your life into, whatever job you choose to do, family, you know, however your life goes, you're going to be more productive if you're, if you're fit, healthy, and you exercise than if you're, you know, unhealthy and your body's, your brain's worrying about other things because you're in pain or you're overweight or you're tired all the time. Like you're never going to be productive if you're if you're feeling like that, um, because those things that, become the forefront of your mind. So and that's be a fact. Advice. That's a fact, isn't it? You know that that's it. That's a fact. There's been a there's been a a number of truth bombs in there today. Uncomfortable truth bombs for some people as well. Um, yeah. You know, and I'd include it a few stages of my life myself in that as well, but. Um, Absolutely, yeah, I totally understand. Totally get what you said, what you're saying, and what you've just said. Um, I could listen to this all day. I'm sure. Of that. Ah, well, this is why we try and do it weekly, right? So we'll have plenty sure. of episodes. We'll I'm keep sure. Yeah, I'm sure the the listener could as well. But you know, the mate, thanks for sharing. You know, some of your thoughts and insights into into training. It's it's hugely inspirational. Um, for me, for everybody else listening as well. Um, to wrap up, John actually um, opened with remembering the name of the podcast today. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll close right. with that. Uh, I've been Rick. This has been John sharing his training philosophies, which has been amazing to listen to. Uh, unless you've got anything else to add, John. No, all good. This has been the Winning Edge podcast. And we will see you next time. See you later. Thank you.